Okay, so today's daf is Samech uh, Vav, which is 66 in Eruvain. We are on Samech Hey Amud Bet, nine lines from the bottom because it's starting a new story. The reason why we left there was because it was about to start a new uh, incident that goes all the way to the middle of the next daf. So it just would have been confusing to, uh, to start it and then stop. Uh, it says this. So these three rabbis came to a certain inn, certain neighborhood. Uh, so what happened was that the non-Jew, normally, as we said, we make Eruvei Chatserot, so if there's a non-Jew in the, in, within the same Chatser, so you have to rent from him. But this non-Jew was away. For in the beginning of Shabbat. Now, obviously, it doesn't matter to the non-Jew Shabbat, not Shabbat. So he, he arrived on Shabbat. So when they made the Eruv, they had not rented his portion from him because he wasn't there. And then he shows up on Shabbat. So now what do you do? So when he shows up, like the Mifrashim explained, the commentaries explain, when he shows up, it kind of invalidates the Eruv because the Eruv that they made only works, um, only worked, only took effect because the non-Jew wasn't present. But now he is present. So it basically retroactively makes the, uh, the Eruv that they made nullified. So, but the question is, what would you normally do? You would normally... Rent from him. So the question is, can you do that in a permissible way on Shabbat? Now, it's not getting into the issue of monetary transactions on Shabbat because it's possible to do a rental without, uh, without touching money. You could use some other item to formalize the, uh, you know, any item of value. It wouldn't have to be money. It could be you give him, a, you give him an apple. I don't know. It could be anything. So it wouldn't have to, uh, wouldn't have to require any, any uh, handling of money. And the schirut, really, because the rental is really a symbolic, formal thing, it's not really, it's not really an acquisition of anything. So, so that wouldn't be the issue so much. It's not a halachot of Shabbat issue. It's an issue of whether it had to be done before Shabbat or not. That was a question. So, the question was, can we rent from him now that he showed up? Now, they all assumed that their eruv that they made was, you know, now going to be invalid because they had made it on the, on the assumption that there was no non-Jew present and now there is a non-Jew present. They have to rent from him. And then what they're going to have to do is they can't make another eruv. So what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to have one of the, one, like they're going to have to do what's called bitul reshut, which we learned was the other mechanism for unifying a chatzer is that you have everybody give up their rights to the courtyard to one person. So that way it's unified because only one person is allowed to bring things in and out of their house. Now some people say that it's also possible to uh, that it's also possible to um, to do that to do it, it like on the same Shabbat to switch off, you know, or at, at, meaning that first everyone could say we're giving it to A, and then everyone could say okay we're giving ours now to B, and then we're giving to, to C. You could do that on the same Shabbat. Some people say it has to be per Shabbat. Everyone has to choose one person. But either way, the point is that they would have had a way to at least enable some carrying from the houses to the, uh, to the Chatzir on Shabbat, if they could rent it from him and then do Bitul Rashut. So the question is like this. So So do we say that the renting is like making the Eruv? So just like when you make an Eruv, you have to do it Friday. You can't do it on Shabbat. You can't make the Eruv uh, the Eruv Chatzot on Shabbat. So, so too, maybe the rental has to be on Shabbat, uh, before Shabbat, rather. Or maybe we say that, no, the renting from the non-Jew is more similar to Mivatil Rishut, to a person who is relinquishing their rights. And therefore, just like you could do that on Shabbat, let's say a community forgot to make an Eruv uh, for their Chatzot, uh, and then Shabbat started, or somebody forgot to participate or whatever, they can do Bitul Rishut even on Shabbat itself. So, should we compare the acquisition of the rights of the non-Jew 
to the Chatzir, to the Eruv, which would mean that it could only be done on Friday, it could not be done on Shabbat itself, or do we compare it <coughs> to the case of Bitul Rashut, which could be done even on Shabbat? So Rabbi Chanan Rabbi Yosef Amar Niskor, Rabbi Chanan Rabbi Yosef said we should rent it from him now, meaning he's allowed to do it even on Shabbat. Rabbi Yasi Amar Lo Niskor, and Rabbi Yasi said no. Amar Rabbi Chia Baraba Nismoch Al Devaria Zaken. You know what, said Rabbi Chia Baraba, uh, you're both right, but you know, for now, let's rely on the opinion of the lenient opinion. Let's rent from him, so we'll make our our lives a little bit easier. And then Atu Shailule the Rabbi Yochanan, afterwards they came and they asked Rabbi Yochanan, right? Amalin Yafe He said, You did the right thing. You were allowed to rent from him on Shabbat and then have everybody nullify their rights to the Chatzir to one of the Jewish people. And that way you would, would sidestep the problem. Okay, Tahubahu The people of Narda'a were shocked. They couldn't believe it. Did Rabbi Yochanan really say that this was possible? Didn't Rabbi Yochanan himself say that renting from the non-Jew is comparable to making the Eruv? Meaning, seemingly, meaning that uh, you can only do it before Shabbat. My love, When Rabbi Yochanan said that renting from the non-Jew, renting his portion in the Chatzir is similar to Eruv, didn't, didn't he mean that you have to do it from before Shabbat? What he meant was that there's no monetary amount that has to be involved in the rental. Just, just like when it comes to Eruv Chatzerot, the amount, as long as there's enough food for the, when you're making the Eruv Chatzerot, you have to have an amount of food which is considered to be significant, but it doesn't have to be financial, monetarily significant. It could be less than Shevet Pruta. It doesn't have to be a certain monetary value. So too, when it comes to this rental, it doesn't have to be a certain monetary value. You could give the guy anything and it's symbolic. So this Chirot will be effective because from a symbolic transaction. So that's what he meant. He meant that just like the Eruv is really, it doesn't have any financial minimum. As long as they collect food from each family and they put the food and it's a, it's a significant amount of food, doesn't matter the value of the food, the price tag, so too doesn't matter the price tag. That's what he meant when he said it's like Eruv. Right? No, no, it's not. They're allowed, it's only symbolic. It's not real. It's not a real schirut. Generally, no, but here we're saying it's, it's only symbolic. That's why. You're not allowed to make business on Shabbat usually. Yeah. Right. Right? So it says, similarly, just like the Eruv can be done even by the worker of the person. Meaning, so let's say that the owner of one of the houses is not available. Right? Um, so let's say he's not there on Friday and they need to collect the food for the Eruv. So you're allowed to collect it even from somebody who represents the owner. And it doesn't have to be a family member or somebody who's appointed to represent it. But it could be any worker. We'll say, yeah, here's a piece of bread to, uh, to contribute to the Eruv, no problem. Right? So too, we said, that it, when it comes to Schirut, you don't have to go to the actual person who owns the, you know, the house. You can go to his worker and have him do the Schirut. Similarly, uh, another way in which Schirut and Eruv are similar is that just like the Eruv, you could have five people who live in one Chatzir and they want to join with the next, the Chatzir next to them. They have a door in between them and the Chatzir next to them. They can send one person on behalf of all of them to the next Chatzir to, to connect the two Eruvin, meaning to unite everybody together. They could send just one representative. And similarly, when you have a situation of Schirut, you don't have to go and each member of the Chatzir goes to the non-Jew and asks uh, to rent the, the space from him. 
Right? It could be just one representative can go. That's what Rabbi Yochanan meant when he said that everybody, that, that Eruv and Schirut are the same. But he didn't mean that just like Eruv has to be made on Erev Shabbat, the Schirut has to be made on Erev Shabbat. That's not true. The Schirut could be done even on Shabbat if it's done in a way that doesn't involve any touching of money, obviously. It could be done in a symbolic way. Taheba, Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar again had, was shocked by this. He, he, he didn't like, he didn't like this. I'm Rabbi Zerah. Mighty Yad Rabbi Elazar. So Rabbi Zerah said, what was the reason why Rabbi Elazar didn't like this? I'm Rabbi Sheshit Gavar Abak Rabbi Zerah. Lo Yadam. Mighty Yad Rabbi Elazar, uh, a great person like you, Rabbi Zerah. You don't know what's bothering Rabbi Elazar. Well, how could you not understand what's bothering him? He's bothered by what, what Shmuel, his teacher, told him. Damar Shmuel, because Shmuel said, Right? Right, osin ve'en ma'arvin en mevatlin, because because Shmuel had said any case in which, in other words, the, the question is when can you do bitul rishut? When are you allowed to use this mechanism of nullifying your rights to the chaser? So Shmuel had said this: any place she osrin ma'arvin, any place where a gr- where members of a group prohibit one another from carrying in an area. Okay, um arvin, and they have the potential to make an eruv with each other. So then you can also use bitul rishut. In a case where you have um, where they have the potential to make an Eruv, but they don't prohibit each other, meaning to say, let's say you had two adjoining Chatserot that have a door between them, and they, they can go in and out. Now they have two options. Either each Chatser can make its own Eruv, and they're just not allowed to carry one to the other, or they could join together. That's called Me'arvin Ve'enosrin. That means that they can combine together but they don't prohibit each other. If they decide not to combine, then they decide not to combine, and that's fine. They don't interfere with each other's life, okay? There, uh, or, uh, and it says, in that case, or in the case where Osrin ve'en ma'arvin, where they prohibit each other, but they don't have the potential to make an eruv, in a mevatlin, you also can't do bitul rishut in such a case. In other words, according to Shmuel, it needs to be a situation where they interfere with each other's ability to use the courtyard, and in addition to that, they would have been, had the potential to make an eruv. Okay? Now he's going to explain how that's relevant here. He says, What does it mean a place, what does it mean a situation where you prohibit the other group and also you could make an eruv? That's where you have one courtyard inside the other one. Like we said, you have an inner courtyard, a courtyard that exits through the outer courtyard, right? They're, their only way to get to the Rishut HaRabim is through the outer courtyard. So therefore, since they have what's called Drisat regel, they go through the outer courtyard, they're also considered part of that outer courtyard. And therefore, if they don't join in the eruv with the outer courtyard, they're going to interfere with the life of the outer courtyard because it's going to be like a foreign uh, group coming through so they have to unite. So that's called Osrin Um Arvin. If they don't make an Eruv they're going to interfere with the outer courtyard if they, but, but they have the potential to make an Eruv. Okay? So they could also do what's well, Bitul Rishut as we're going to say. Then, right, so what's Ma'arvin Ve'en Osrin What's the situation where they can make an Eruv but, it, but if they didn't it doesn't cause anybody any trouble En Mivatlit Right, I mentioned this already, really. But, right, that's like we have two chatserot, you have two courtyards next to each other with a door in between. If they want to make each one its own separate chatser, that's fine. If they want to unite, that's also fine. Right? So that's called osrin. So in that case, he's saying you can't do bitul rishut because there's no reason to do bitul rishut. Either you make an eruv with the other group or you don't. Right? So what's the other case? Osrin ve'en marvin. What's the case where you create a prohibition but you actually can't fix it? You can't make an eruv. So what case is that? 
it's talking about a situation where there's a non-Jew involved. If the non-Jew came the day before, so they could have made their rental from the day before. It's talking about a situation where he shows up on Shabbat itself. So Rabbi Elazar derived from this teaching of Shmuel. Where Shmuel said, in a case where a prohibition is created by the other person, but there's no way to make any roof, in such a case, um, you're not also allowed to do bitul rishut. He said, that must be talking about a situation. What's the only situation where you have where there, a prohibition is created, but there's no solution? The only situation where there's a prohibition created, but there's no eruv solution, is where the non-Jew shows up on Shabbat. Because you couldn't have made an eruv before Shabbat, legitimately. Or if you did, it became invalidated when the non-Jew showed up. Now you can't make an eruv because it's already Shabbat. You can't make a new one. And so it's too late. To repair the problem, and yet it's saying in mivatlin, you also can't do bitul rishut. So according to Shmuel, uh, seemingly what Rabbi Elazar is quoting Shmuel says that you can't do this kind of a trick that you do bitul rishut on Shabbat in a situation where you couldn't have done eruv legitimately before Shabbat. Okay, perhaps you could do bitul rishut on Shabbat in other cases, but in a case where you couldn't have legitimately created an eruv on erev Shabbat, you can't now create, uh, do this uh, on Shabbat itself, okay? That's the, that's the, what, so Rabbi Elazar was bothered by the fact that Rabbi Yochanan was allowing that. Rabbi Yochanan was saying, no, you could, you could rent from him on Shabbat, and then have everybody say, we nullify our rights to the courtyard to this one guy. Now, the one guy is able to carry things <laughs> in and out of the houses, and, uh, you know, and that, that's the best you're going to be able to do. But Rabbi Elazar said, no, that Shmuel said that in a case where there was no legitimate way to make an rule before Shabbat, and, this, and, the, and the situation emerges and the prohibition emerges on Shabbat, there's nothing that you can do. You can't fix it now. Okay, so that's the machloket between them. So he says, I didn't hear this teaching of Shmuel, and he's specifically talking about the situation where the inner courtyard traverses the outer courtyard in order to get outside. So he says, I didn't hear this. I didn't hear this teaching. I said to him, You are the one who taught us it. And this is the situation, this is the context in which he told us. Now, by the way, you know, Rav Yosef had like Alzheimer's or something in his old age, and so he forgot a lot of his learning, or he had some, some condition. So a lot of times in the Gemara it says, Rav Yosef says, I don't remember this teaching, and Abaye was the student, says, oh yeah, you did, you taught us this, and so on. You know, it's... Uh, it's a common thing in the Gemara that they, that they have. He reminds him of things. And he says, and you taught us it in this following context. <coughs> because, as, because Shmuel said, you cannot do bitul reshut from one chatzir to the other. Meaning, if you have two chatzirot next to each other, they can make their own independent erovei chatzirot. But they can't, but, or they could c- combine together one erov chatzir. But they can't, you can't have chatzir A nullifies its rights to chatzir B. So now chatzir B can carry in the whole area. And uh, and chater a can, uh, you know cannot because they relinquish their rights. That doesn't work, right? Similarly, if you have two houses that open to a churva, to a ruin, not to a chater really. It's not really a courtyard, but it's like a ruin. So he says you can't do bitul reshut. One guy can't say I'm no, I'm nullifying my uh, rights to use this. Uh, uh, this deal because it only works in a case of a chatzir in front of a house. Rashi says, They only allowed that in a, um, 
in, in a, a proper courtyard that was in front of a house. But a ru- like if these two houses originally opened to some other building and other building is in ruins, you can't say, well, now let's do a bitur rishut. You, you wouldn't be able to do that anymore. And you said to us, You told us that when did Shmuel say that one chatzer cannot nullify its rights to another chatzer? That's when you have two side by side. And really they're independent. And they have the possibility of uniting into one eruv chatzerot or not. But But if you have a situation where one is inside the other, Right, since you, since the inner one prohibits the outer one, it can also do bitul rishut. In other words, the idea is that in that case where the inner chaser is, uh, you know, ha- can only exit to the public domain through the outer chaser, so the inner chaser is considered in a way like a part, like a uh, you know, a member of the outer chaser because they have to use it. So since they are a part of the outer chatzer because they have to pass through, so therefore they also either have to make an eruv chatzerot or they have to do bitur rishut to that outer chatzer. So even though they're two different chatzerot, you're allowed to have bitur rishut in that case. Amalei said, "Ana amina mishmed shmuelachi." He said, "I said that in the, in the name of Shmuel. I don't remember it, right?" But didn't Shmuel say that we only go with Erovei Chatzor by the language of the Mishnah? The language of the Mishnah was Anshei Chatzor, the people of a Chatzor. Our Mishnah says Anshei Chatzor Shachachad Mehem. It says in Daf Samechtet Kamigam that if the if the members of a certain courtyard forgot to make Nehru, they can then everyone can nullify their rights to one guy, and the one guy will have the ability to carry because it will be owned by one person, right? That so so Velo Anshei Chatzorot. Meaning that you can only do bitul rishut within one ca- courtyard. One, the members of one courtyard cannot uh, cannot relinquish their rights to use their courtyard to another courtyard. Amar Abai said to him, "Ki amratlan in lanu be'erovin elikshomishnatenu." It's true that you told us this teaching of Shmuel that we only go by the language of our Mishnah. That's true, but it was in a different context. Again, shamavui lachatzerot kechatzer lebatim. He said that the mavoi with regard to chatzerot is like the chatzer for houses. Now, what does that mean? Rashi explains. Right, so Shmuel learned from the language of chatzerot and batim, right, that a mavoi is only allowed to be permitted in the way that we permit a mavoi by making the last, by making the end with either a vertical stick or a horizontal stick, Lechi. right, lechi or korah, that only works in a certain type of a mavoi, which is where you have at least two chatzerot opening up to it. And a thing is only <laughs> called a chatzer if there's a minimum of Two houses opening to it. So meaning if you had one guy has an estate and it just has a huge yard and it opens to the Mavoy, that wouldn't count as a Chatzir because it's only one person. In order to have that leniency, you have to have that. So in that case, you have to have a precise definition of Chatzir and but a chatzer means two houses, and a mavoi means a minimum of two chatzerot open to it. That's where you said we have to go exactly according to the language of the Mishnah. But in the case of whether members of one courtyard can nullify their rights to the mem- members of another courtyard, you weren't talking about that when you said that the when when you said that we can only follow what the Mishnah says. Okay, now Gufa, we go back to what we said before. So Shmuel has this opinion that members of chatzer A cannot relinquish their rights to chatzer B. And also, if there are two houses that open to what was formerly a building and is now ruins, they can also not do bitul rishut at all, right? Rabbi Yochanan, meaning they would have, they could seemingly make a uh, an eruv between them to allow them to carry in that shared area, but they wouldn't be able to make do bitul rishut. However, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan is more lenient. He says, no, you could. You could have people in Chatzir A nullify their rights to Chatzir B, and Vyesh Bitul you could even have the two guys at their houses open. To a former building, which is now a ruin, right? They, they could also do bitul shoot, meaning that instead of saying, "Well, we since we share this area, it's considered 
owned by more than one person and therefore nobody can carry in it, but they can, uh, they can make an Eruv. Or they can also do, one can say, you know what, I'm not going to use it. I'm, I'm, I'm nullifying my rights to you. That would also work. Utsricha. And, it, and it's necessary to have both cases that Rabbi Yochanan and Shmuel disagree because if all we knew was from courtyard to courtyard, meaning that you would say, well, the reason why Shmuel says that people in Chatzir A cannot nullify the people in Chatzir B is because each one is independent. Why is one nullifying to the other one? One has its own life, one has its own life. They're next to each other, but they don't need to go through each other. So why are they, so why should they be able to relinquish one to the other? But when you have this ruin between the two houses, that both houses equally share in this ruin that's between their houses. So maybe he would agree that they could nullify one to the other since after all it's one house. It's, it's one uh, area that they're sharing. Right? So in other words, in the case of two chatzirot, what's the need to relinquish rights one to the other? There's no need. They're two separate chatzirot. Why are you doing that? You're just doing it to, for the convenience of one of the chatzirot. But why would we use that mechanism where it's not necessary? Each one has their own chatzir. Whereas <coughs> in the case of the Churva, they share it actually, so it's a different story. And, and if we only had the case of the ruin, well, it could be that if we only had the case of the ruin, you would say, well, over there, Rabbi Yochanan says that one can nullify his rights to the, to the ruin to the other guy because they share that space. But maybe he would agree with Shmuel if it's two chatzirot side by side, totally independent uh, places, so that sh- one should not be able to relinquish to the other. So that's why you need in both cases that Rabbi Yochanan is lenient. In both cases, Re- Shmuel is stringent. Now, Amar Abayi says, We saw this already. When did Shmuel say, right, he said that Rabbi Yosef told him this, right? When did Shmuel say that one, one uh, courtyard cannot nullify its rights or relinquish its rights to the other? Because that's when it's two side by side about but when you have two, uh, two courtyards that one is outside the other, in other words, one is an inner courtyard that has no access to the Rishut HaRabim except through the outer courtyard. So in that case, if the inner courtyard has a problem, it will also affect the outer courtyard because the inner courtyard is considered a member of the outer courtyard. Right, so and so they're considered to be uh, connected to one another. There, it makes more sense that one could be able to relinquish their uh, its rights to the other courtyard because, the, in other words, if courtyard the inner courtyard relinquishes its rights to the outer courtyard, it would make sense because they actually share something. They share the outer courtyard. It's not two totally independent entities. Rava says, you know what? Even when you have two chatzirot, one is inner and one is outer. There are times that you can do bitulushut and times that you can't. Now, first he's going to describe what the times are without explaining why, and then he's going to go back and explain why. So, when if, if it doesn't make sense at first, just give him a second because he's going to explain it. Okay? So he says, "Ketzat, no If the eruv was placed in the outer courtyard, in other words, we have a situation where the inner and the outer courtyard they want to unite together so that the people can traverse back and forth, especially since the inner courtyard people need to get out, right? So. So if they put the Eruv in the outer courtyard, and somebody forgot to join in the Eruv, this is usually the situation where you use Bitul Rashut, somebody forgot to join in. Okay? So in that case, whether it was a person who lives in the inner or outer courtyard, both the inner and the outer courtyard are going to be in trouble now. Neither one is going to be able to carry because... Uh, we'll see why. Right? Not, well, if the, even if the guy's on the outer... Don't, don't, don't ask. That's why I'm telling you. Wait, he's going to explain everything. So that's why I told you. Don't ask yet. Right? If the Eruv was put in the inner courtyard, meaning this is a shared Eruv for the inner and the outer, but it was pl- they decided to house it in the inner courtyard. 
Okay? And somebody in the inner courtyard forgot to participate. Then also both courtyards are going to be stuck. They're going to be ruined. Now, if somebody in the outside courtyard, if they put the in the inner courtyard, okay? And the person who forgot to, and it was supposed to be for everybody, but somebody in the outer courtyard forgot to participate. So that will be okay for the inner courtyard. And the Gemara is going to explain because basically can, they can close their doors and say, okay, we're just not going to go through your courtyard. We're going to be by ourselves. We made an eruv correctly and everybody here did correctly. So we're just not going to go to the Rishat Arabim today and you know, stay out of our life, right? The, but, but, but the Chatzar Chitzonah is not going to be able to use that logic because since the people in the inner courtyard are going to have to go through their courtyard, and they didn't participate in an Eruv, they're going to have a problem carrying in their outer courtyard, okay? The inner courtyard can say, we're not carrying anything from the inner to the outer courtyard. We're an independent entity, and the outer courtyard doesn't have any need to come into the inner courtyard. So they can say, we're just blocking you out. So they won't be affected by it. But the outer courtyard will be affected by the inner because the inner still has to come through there. And since they didn't join, since the outer courtyard didn't join with the inner courtyard technically because one of their members messed up, so therefore they can't carry in their own chatzer now because it's a shared area that wasn't united under the Eruv. But he's going to explain this now. You'll see. He's going to go back and explain each case now. Okay? So he says, uh, If the Eruv was put in the outer courtyard, okay? So then... It doesn't matter whether the person who forgot to participate was a member of the inner or the outer. It doesn't matter. So they both become prohibited. Now the question is why? So if it was an inner person, let's say it was a person in the inner courtyard who forgot. So then what could he do? So he should just nullify. The question is why can't he just nullify his rights to, this, to, to everyone else and it should fix everything? Right, that usually works. So why can't he do that? Who can, to whom can he nullify? If he nullifies to the people in the inner courtyard, they're not the ones who possess the eruv. So he can't nullify. So that, so that won't help because it's in the outer courtyard. If he decides to to relinquish his rights not only to the inner courtyard but also the outer courtyard, we already said that you can't do it across chatserot. You can only do it to your the members of your own chatser. So it won't help. So therefore he's messing it up for everyone. If it's a guy who lives in the outside, to whom is he going to nullify his rishut? If he nullifies his rishut, relinquishes it to the people in the outer courtyard where he lives, you still have the inner courtyard that is a sort of problem because with respect to the inner courtyard he hasn't done he hasn't nullified and he's a and, and, and so it's going to be a problem so maybe he should include both the people in the, in the inner courtyard but we already said that you can't nullify your, uh, your, your rights to another chatzir so basically if it's a person on the inner courtyard he's going to mess it up for the people in the outer courtyard because he can't nullify his rights to them and if it's a guy who lives in the outer courtyard, he's going to mess it up for everyone because he can't nullify his rights uh, to somebody in the inner courtyard because they're in two different courtyards. Now, on the other hand, what if they put the Eruv in the inner courtyard? So now it's a little bit simpler, at least in one case, because if a guy in the inside forgot to make an Eruv, so then they're both going to have a problem. Why? Because to whom is he going to nullify his Rishut? If he nullifies it and relinquishes his rights just to the people living in his area, we still has a relationship with the people on the outside. 
right? And he hasn't nullified his rights to them. If you suggest that maybe he should also include them, relinquish to them, so we already said that that's not doable. So therefore, he's going to mess it up for them. However, what's the one saving grace? The only case where we can save it is if a per- member of the outer courtyard forgot. Why? Because, so there, then the inner courtyard is going to be just totally fine because because all they do is they close the door, not necessarily literally, but meaning to say, they say, you know what? We don't want anything to do with you guys on the outside. We changed our minds. We're the ones that have the roof. And nobody here forgot to participate. So you know what? You, one of you guys forgot to participate. That's your own problem. Deal with it yourself. So then the outer courtyard is going to have a problem because they are going to have a, uh, they're going to have one member that didn't join in the Eruv. So it messes up for the outer courtyard, but the inner courtyard just seals itself up and says, you know what? We're just not going to participate with you guys. We, do, we have the Eruv here. We just don't want to include you. We're, we're good. So they, and we don't need got, to include you because we, yeah. you guys don't come in here. Right. right? So we were just doing you a favor. Right? Include. We, we, we don't need you. Right? We mess it up. They mess it up for the people on the outside because they're going to walk through there. Right? And since they have Drisata Regal, <laughs> since they walk through there, really the outer courtyard needed this Eruv. They needed it because they are in a worse situation than the inner courtyard. Because the inner courtyard can just say, you know what? We don't want anything to do with the outer courtyard. We're going to stay. We're, we're only going to carry things in and out of our own homes into the courtyard. And the outer courtyard is not allowed to come in. They're just not a part of this community. That's, they're not allowed to come in for the Shabbat. But the outer courtyard can't say that because the inner courtyard people are going to pass through their territory to get to the Rishut Rabim. So they can't say we're not part of the inner courtyard. What if the they're in trouble. Uh, rights. So the thing is like this. Once the inner courtyard yeah. seals itself off, the problem, without, without the problem is, right. So the problem is that the inner court, you, it, since you can't relinquish your rights to another courtyard, okay. and the problem is that the inner courtyard has rights to the outer courtyard, but not the other way around, because the people in the outer courtyard have to come inside. So it, since the inner courtyard has rights to the outer courtyard, that means that the outer courtyard had to make an eruv with the people in the inner courtyard in order to allow them to carry in their area because their area is shared with the inner courtyard. Okay. okay? But really, the inner <laughs> courtyard people didn't need an eruv because if they just want to say we're not, part of that, we're not part of the outer courtyard and the outer courtyard people don't come in here, they don't have a need to do it. Yeah. Right? So therefore, they will just say, we made our own Eruv, okay. we have our own life, right. get, get, you know, and, and it's your own problem. So the outer courtyard is going to be stuck because they're, they're not going to be able to use their area because the inner courtyard still has rights to it and they didn't join with the inner courtyard because one of their members messed up and there's nothing they can do. Who's he going to be Mavatel to? That's the whole problem. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but his own courtyard is, is the problem. In other words, it, since his own courtyard is the problem because yeah. the people in the inner courtyard have rights to it, it's not because of his own courtyard. The members of his own courtyard are not the reason why he can't carry in his own courtyard. That's the problem. If the members of his own courtyard were the only reason he couldn't carry in that courtyard, then he could just do bitul rashut to the people in his courtyard and everything would be fine. That's the normal case of bitul rashut. But since the reason why he can't carry in his courtyard and they all can't carry is not because of them. It's because of the inner courtyard people. And now the inner courtyard people are saying, we're not getting involved. We're not making a treaty with you. We're not, we're not doing the Eruv with you. So then it's really the people in the inner courtyard who are causing the problem for the outer courtyard. But the people in the inner courtyard don't want a problem for their own courtyard. So they're saying, you know what? 
this Shabbat, since you guys messed up, we're stepping back from the agreement, and therefore you guys are on your own, and you guys are on your own means that we have rights to your courtyard still, so you can't carry in it, but you don't have rights to ours, so we're good. Okay, that's, that's the situation. In a normal case, but you're right. If you had a normal chatzer, where nine out of the ten people made the Eruv and one guy didn't do it, he could relinquish his rights to everyone else and then everyone would be fine. That's true. That would be fine because there's no external cause to the problem. It's all internal. And a domestic situation we can resolve with the uh, Bitul Rashid, but we can't resolve an, uh, an international inter-courtyard uh, problem with that. Right? So, Amalei Ravuna, Bredo Rav Yoshua, the Ravah. We have another problem. In the case where the inner courtyard member forgets to make a roof, right? And so why are both courtyards now a problem? Because why can't you do this? Have the guy in the inner courtyard do bitul reshut to the people in his own courtyard. That everybody agrees. Everybody agrees you can nullify your rights to the people in your own courtyard. No problem. And then what you do is you say, and the inner courtyard has an eruv together with the outer courtyard, and therefore we're all one happy family. In other words, why can't it just occur like that? That why does that have to be so extreme? He's saying, why can't it just be that let's, uh, so the inner courtyard guy forgot to make an Eruv and now Shabbat started. And the inner courtyard people and the outer courtyard people made an Eruv already. So why can't you just say that the inner courtyard guy will, will nullify his, relinquish his rights to the people in his own courtyard. And they already have a relationship with the outer courtyard, so what's the problem? Right? So it says, ah, because that's good. That will work according to Rabbi Eliezer. Because Rabbi Eliezer says that Bitul Rashut is that you give up your rights even to one, one person in the group, and that's enough. To one person in the group, and that's enough. And therefore, you could say that the inner courtyard guy will relinquish his rights to his neighbor. And since that neighbor is part of the group, and that group is part of a group with the outer courtyard, then everything is happy. However, I said, I'm talking about right? But according to the rabbis, when you do bitul shoot, you have to do bitul shoot to every person who would have an interest in that. Right. So meaning, I would he would have to do bitul shoot to everybody in the courtyard that he's in, as well as everybody in the outer courtyard. And since you can't do that, that's the problem. But you're right. If we held like Rabbi Eliezer that you only have to do bitul shoot to one person. And then that one person, by virtue of being part of the group, like let's say a classic case of Bitul Rashut, is they have 10 people, let's say, living in the courtyard, and then nine of them made their room and one guy didn't, and realized on Shabbat that he didn't do it, so then he can do Bitul Rashut. The question is, does he have to do Bitul Rashut to number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or just he does it to one of them, and since they already made an Eruv, they're all one entity already, and he just made the Bitul Rashut to one entity. If you hold that it's all one entity already, so then, then you're right. Then the person in the inner courtyard could do bitul shoot to the people in the inner courtyard and automatically, because the people in the inner courtyard made an eruv with the outer courtyard, everybody will be happy and it will be fine. But since, according to the rabbis, you can't do that, you actually have to do bitul shoot to each member of the, of, who is involved. And since you can't do bitul shoot to somebody living in another chatzir, you will not be able to do bitul shoot effectively in such a situation. Now, now this interesting thing is that all of these cases about shachachachad veloi rev, that the Mishnah talks about somebody forgot and they didn't participate, they're not shayach today because, well, I mean, they are. The halachot still apply today. But they, don't, they aren't relevant today because nobody even realizes that you're part of an erove chatzot every Shabbat. You don't even realize because the, the vad does it or whatever. What's, what's, the, what's the reason why? Uh, it, because they, what they do is they do zikui. They take, the, they take the food and they say, we are mezakeh, we are, we are giving... Every Jewish person in this within this uh, area, this food we're giving it to them. 
So that, so they're mizakeh the food to everybody. So by being mizakeh the food to everybody, you don't even have to know because we know that mizakin la dam shelo befanav. You can you can give somebody a, a credit without telling them. You just can't take something away without telling them. So the same. Also to the they no, because he doesn't need. Why is he? Need? I don't know what the purpose. I don't want it. You no, know, I, I don't think so. That's me. That's Sedom, because it's like, you know, why would you do that? But you no, he's like, like that. what? Sedom. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is that in in a case of in a case of in a case of also eruv tavshili, right? Eruv tavshili, and when it says, oh, the rabbi made the eruv tavshili for everybody, he has to do it in a specific way. We'll learn in Masechet Beitzah when we get there that how you do it. You can't just say the rabbi said for everybody in the community and here's my egg and my piece of bread and it's for everybody. It doesn't work that way. He actually has to do zikur. He actually has to have a third party receive it on behalf of everyone. Take it and say, I'm receiving this to... Uh, you can't just say, I'm mizakem my phone to everybody. You can't do that. You have to have an action of, trans, uh, of, uh, of acquisition. Yeah. So you take it and you give it so what I used to do was when I would make an Eruvei Chatzerot in my building, my apartment building, I would give it to my wife, which according to the Rambam and Shulchan Aruch is okay. According to Shambar is not. Uh, it's a machloket whether you're allowed to use your wife to do it or not, but it was the easiest thing and I didn't have any bar mitzvah children at the time. So I would, I would give it to her and say, and she would receive it on behalf of everybody. So that way there, there was a zikui to everybody in the building. I didn't have to go knock on everyone's door and say, would you like to participate in the Eruvei Chatzerot? So they didn't do that back then. They actually went and collected the food from each family. So that's why somebody could forget to participate. Nowadays, you don't have the problem because we do it from the top. We basically take the whoever's making the eruv is mizakeh. He transfers ownership of it. It's considered a zechut for to own part of it. So, uh, so therefore, you you're all included, whether you know it or not.